I've never met you before. My name is Chris Massey. I'm one of the pastors here at Family Life Church. We're so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. You did get the better service today. We say the services are identical, but the first one, the people got soaked. I would even go as far as saying there were people so excited they were running to get into the building. (laughs) It was really a sight to behold. Uh, but we're so glad that, that you're here today and uh, really love to, to just remind you too that our life groups are up and going right now and the information for those is available for you in your bulletin. Uh, we're, we're really into this idea of building life through community. We want to experience life through community as God desires it to be. How many of you in here remember, maybe I feel like you'd have to be 40 or older or maybe somewhere in there. How many of you remember growing up in a community where everybody knew everybody? Anybody remember that? You know, we, we spent time in, in life groups on Wednesday night talking about that a little bit, and this idea that it used to be, hey, you know, you couldn't get away with anything because somebody's mom knew you and they knew your mom, right? And they were going to tell your mom, and that's not great. Uh, but really awesome that, that people cared enough about each other to be in community with one another. And as we discussed that on Wednesday night, we said, boy, wouldn't it just be great to get some of that back in our lives? To just, just have some of that again, because we're so busy, we don't really have time for each other, we don't prioritize it, but we all said as we were kind of in, in conversation together, we would love to experience that again, to be part of something where people know what's going on in our lives, where we know what's going on in their lives, not for the sake of gossip, but to be able to be in there to, to encourage and pray with one another. Uh, and that's what we hope to experience in this time of, of life through community. And uh, so again, we already had this week one, and we have seven weeks to go, if you did not get a chance to check out a life group, I cannot encourage you enough. Give one a try. You'll love the community that it brings. So please check that out. We have about sign-up sheets in the foyer that you can check out on your way out later this morning. But for now, you're all mine. <laughs> I practiced that laugh. That's good. You know, we're going to kick off a, a new series today called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous prayers, things that we pray for that I'm just going to hope to to shed some light on that we don't realize what we're actually praying for, but I hope that we do, and I hope it encourages us even more to want to pray for those things. Now, when I mention the concept of dangerous prayers, there's probably a couple of them that immediately come to your mind. How many of you know it's the wrong thing to do to pray for patience? Right? That's a dangerous prayer. You don't pray for peace, right? Why? Because you realize, uh, you know, if, if you've been at this for a little while, if you, if you haven't, you know, we, we kind of think to ourselves that the way God does this is that instead of downloading peace or downloading patience into us, he sits back and he goes, all right, I'll give you an opportunity to learn how to do that. I'll show you that. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, we can, yeah, we can set that up. That's great. Uh, And it's the truth because learning to live with peace and to have patience, to show kindness, these are not things that come naturally to us. We are far more connected to our two-year-old selves than we realize. There's something inside of us that still wants to remain selfish, that wants to grab everything in front of us and say, mine. And it's hard for us to get into that place of laying that aside and saying, God, I need to learn how to do this. I need to be a person that is so kind and compassionate and patient and peaceful. And I realize that, God, that's something you're going to have to build in me. It's not just going to happen overnight. 
But, but there's more than just those prayers, and, and I hope not to, to make it sound like God is just really excited to answer prayers through making our lives miserable, because that's really not his goal. His goal is to raise us up and to teach us how to be more like him, and it's a process. But I want to talk to you about a man named Jabez today. We don't know a whole lot about Jabez, okay? We, in fact, there are only two verses in the entire Bible that tell us anything about this man. You can read it in First Chronicles chapter 4. And, and years ago, way back in the 90s, if you guys remember the 90s, there was actually a book that was written by Bruce Wilkinson called The Prayer of Jabez. It went into the whole thing and talked about all the different facets of this prayer, what it signifies. And I, and I really want to spend some time looking at his prayer, not really so much that book, uh, you know, but, but something a little different in this, this picture but I want you to understand something in the background of Jabez, and we're going to read this in just a second. You'll see it there. Jabez's name means he gives sorrow. Thanks, Mom. Right? Like, he, this, I mean, almost be like today, like you named your kid Pain in the Butt. I know some of you were tempted. No name changes. Just stick with what you got. The word Yabez in Hebrew is really close to the Hebrew word Yabetz, which means he brings sorrow. And we'll read here in just a second. His mom named him that because she had a lot of pain when she went through the process of giving him birth. And so from day one, this is his identity. I'm a giver of pain. It's basically like walking around with this moniker in your life that I'm a pain in the butt. I'm just a pain. I'm a pain. I'm a pain. And it was him. That was his identity. And I want us to keep that in focus as we read through his prayer. Because there's so much in this prayer that he's saying, that he's speaking to God, that I think really comes from that background of my identity has been this. God, would you change it? And so I want to read this with you, uh, verses 9 and 10 out of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because her birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Now that's our favorite part of any prayer, right? God granted him, God granted her their request. Like, okay, and and I think this is what's really important too as a foundational idea as we're going through these dangerous prayers. When we ask God for something, we have something in our minds of exactly what we want, how we want it, and when we want it, right? How many of you know that God doesn't always work that way? God does not always work that way. Not to say, and again, I really don't want to paint the picture that, that God is just up there with his <laughs> kind of voice. He, he doesn't delight in like making us uncomfortable or pain. He says, no, what I have in store for you, what I have desired to teach you and train you and build you up in is, is going to take a different path and a different route than maybe what you want for yourself. But this prayer that Jabez gives really kind of hits home with this idea of what does it mean to be blessed? To you, in your mind. And, and, and again, I really think we connect the idea of success, comfort, and enjoyment with blessing. 
If I have, if I'm successful, like we, you know, one of the questions I got during our Asking for a Friend series is why are wicked people blessed? The translation, I know wicked people and they've got money and stuff and they seem like they've got it all together. They're blessed. Why is that? And part of that is a faulty idea for us that we think that being blessed means you're going to be successful. That being blessed means that you're going to have all the comforts of the world. That being blessed means that you're going to have more enjoyment in your life than other people do. And and there are a couple of facets here, uh, five that I had discovered as I was kind of studying this. Number one, we want wealth. How many of us would, you know, nobody's going to be sad if you wake up tomorrow and there's twice as much in your bank account as you expected, right? And a couple of you here would call the bank and argue with them. Some of you would just be like, no, praise you, Lord. Thank you. You have blessed me. Uh, Wealth. The second is fame. To be known. To have notoriety. And listen, we, we probably think of ourselves with this one most removed from this. But here's the reality. You thought you got a Facebook account so that you could you know, check out what your next door neighbor's niece's cousin was doing this weekend. But the reality was you got it so you could show us what you ate for dinner that night. You thought we'd be impressed. I mean, some of it looked good. We look for fame. Beauty. I worry the least about this one. Nailed it. I don't get it. (laughs) We want to be beautiful. We want people to look upon us and see a beauty about us, whether it be an outward beauty or an inward beauty. We want health. Listen, it's really hard for us, I think, to put the idea that we could be blessed and not be in health, that if we're going through something where we're unhealthy, we're almost tempted more often than not to be like, is is God like punishing me? Is God trying to teach me something because I'm going through these difficulties in health? And lastly is the idea of home, that, that comfort, that secure place in our lives where we, are, we know that we, who we are, we know where we're from, we know who we have around us. It's that, these things that we pray for. And if you think about the numbers of things that you pray for, they all fall into one of these categories. God, I'm in need for this. I need more of this. I want more of this. My health, I need... And, and all of it seems like it's a great thing, but... The reality is, and, and please, I hope you can see this, do you know you can be poor and be blessed? Do you know that you cannot be known by anybody in the whole world and be blessed? You could be the ugliest person in all of Mercer County. I'm not going to look at anybody. Yeah. And you're blessed. Do you know this, and this is going to be the, really, the hardest one. We might be able to shake our heads yes to this, but it's really hard. Do you know that you can be in poor health and still be blessed? You could be dealing with health difficulties and still be blessed. You know you can lose home and everything. You can still be blessed. And, and church, when, when we start to think about it in these terms, this idea of God, will you bless me? God, will you bless me? It starts to look a little bit more like Aladdin with his little lamp. God, will you give me my wish? God, give me my wish. I want this. I want this. And sometimes we're really good at this too. We twist ourselves into believing it's what we need. It's not just what I want, God. This is a real need that I have here. I need that new job. 
And, and, and all of it, we want God to do something amazing. But here's what, what, what Jabez prayed, and we're going to look at these four facets of his prayer. Number one, he said, bless me. Now, the concept of blessing from Jabez's perspective is not the same as our concept of blessing. He's not saying, I want it all. I want the world. I want the whole world. It's Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory or something. But that's sometimes what our prayers look like. Okay, God, I want this. I want the new job. I want that. You know, I, I, want, I want, I want, I want. I need. God, I need. So we start to plead with God. No, God, I need this. Listen, you're not noticing. I need these things. The idea of blessing from a biblical perspective is that of being in the place where you are in God's will and God himself is directing your steps to build in and through you something that, to be quite honest, might not look like what you want it to look like. Sometimes God puts us on a path toward his blessing for us or for somebody else that, believe it or not, is painful. It's hard. We, you know, I think we're far more attuned to this idea of the prosperity gospel than we might like to give credence to. We really struggle with the belief that if I'm going through difficulty, God is either punishing me or has forsaken me. And, and here's the reality. From a biblical perspective, God himself might set you on a path in your life that is not going to be comfortable or easy. It's not going to set you up with wealth and fame and notoriety and beauty and, and all those other things we just talked about it, because those aren't his primary goals for you. Every one of those things that we look at is temporary, and God says, I fix my eyes on that which is eternal. My plan, my blessing on your life is eternal. Then he says, expand my territory. Now, we read this, and our Western American minds already immediately go to, well, expansion means bigger and better, right? Expand my territory. That means make my you know, 1,000 square foot home a 2,000 square foot home. Expand my territory, Lord. Make my 285 horsepower car a 585 horsepower car. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Make my bank account have more zeros on the tail end with some numbers in front of it, not just zeros. Make it bigger, God. Make it better, God. Make it this. Make it, and, but I want you to see something here, and this is where we need to step back again into the understanding of Jabez, his identity, where he has come from. Jabez's mom named him pain, trouble, bringer of sorrows, Yabetz. He is the bringer of sorrow. And Jabez, in the midst of this identity, is in the place of saying, God, could you break me out of that? Could you change my identity? My name literally is, He brings sorrow. That's, that's who I am. And listen, I want to speak to those of you who in here maybe had some monikers put over your lives through your childhood or maybe through your adulthood, maybe through relationships with people that were kind of broken and abused. So listen, there are people in this room who've been told they were stupid, that they're worthless, that they're ugly, that they're, I mean, fill in the blank. There are some of you in this room who've experienced having someone assigned to you a name that was not what God intended for you. And here's Jabez. He's living that. That's his life. My identity from day one has been that I'm the giver of sorrow. I was a mistake. 
I hurt, I bring hurt, I bring pain. Basically, everything I touch, I ruin, I hurt, I destroy. And his prayer to God is, Lord, bless me, set me on a path with what you want to do in my life, but expand my territory. Break me out of who I've been, who everyone thinks that I am. Will you change that for me, God? Then he says, will you be with me? We are pretty quick to want God to follow us instead of humbling ourselves to follow him. Do you realize that? I would equate it this way. How many of you have ever walked with someone else under an umbrella? Right? Probably a few of you. How does that usually end up? I, I mean, what it's like for instances I've been in, it's, you know, there's one umbrella and I'm, we're walking and we're trying to be close and all of a sudden the person next to me who will remain nameless is like, hey, I'm getting soaked over here. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just know when the water hits me. I don't know when the water hits you. So I angled it for me. I'll, I'll try to change it for you. And, and then eventually, you know, sometimes it gets frustrating and you just step out from under the umbrella and you're like, it's wet over here. When we follow God, we're following his covering through his plan for our lives. And, and here's the problem. So often, God, you know, in the reign of over our lives, he, he pulls out his umbrella and he says, listen, follow me. In fact, I love the, the image of Psalm 91, that God is our strong tower. He covers us with his mighty wing, that imagery of like a, a, a bird, a, a chicken covering its chicks and saying, I'll take care of you. He says, follow me and stay with me. And we're like, okay, God, this closeness is good. But then something catches our eye and we just stray a little bit. And we're like, God, it's wet over here. God's like, well, it's not over here. Follow me. And we're so quick to say, God, be with me. But what needs to be a part of our prayer is, God, help me to be with you. Help me to be where you are. Help me to follow your plan. Help me to follow your steps and what you're doing in me. And last, he says, keep me from trouble and pain. Again, think about who this guy is. Keep me from trouble and pain. Imagine this prayer. I mean, when you really stop to think what Jabez's name means and what he's asking from God, saying, God, would you change my identity? Would you change this for me? I don't want to be the giver of pain and trouble. I don't want to be the man of sorrow. I don't want to be the one who hurts and divides or does things. I don't want that. God, would you change that for me? Would you keep me from being trouble and pain? Would you rewrite my name? Would you give me a new identity? Church, when we step into that role, into that place, we begin to open the doors for God to do things in our lives that might shake us up, that might not look the way that we want it to look, that might, instead of setting us on that collision course for that says, hey, in my flesh, I'd rather be rich and famous and beautiful and healthy and, and, and comfortable, and instead relinquishing to God, Lord, I want those things, but if it serves you, if it serves me, if it serves your will and your kingdom better, then let me go through whatever I have to go through because I just want to be where you want me to be. And then we connect this to with what we see in James chapter 1, which is this strange greeting that James gives to the, the children of Israel that are scattered all over and abroad. And he says this to them, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Listen, you ever been in like a situation where you're really frustrated with life? Has anybody ever come up to you and been like, you know what, you should be so glad about this. You should be thanking God for this. This is literally what he is saying. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. Do you know how often we begin to pray and ask God for what we think we need? And God says that if you would trust me and open up your hands and just let me do with your life what what I know is best, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to rain lollipops and Skittles every single day. But if you would trust me enough, I would take you through and to the other side of what we read in James 1 here. That you would have mature, perfect faith and you would actually wouldn't be in need of anything. Now again, our brains are quick. We're, we're going here with like, oh, well, well, God would fulfill all of my desires then? No. God says, I would give you all that you need. I would satisfy you with all that you need. Not with just the things that you want, with what you need, what will bless you, what will bless the world through you, what will bless your family, what will bless your marriage, what will bless your children, what will bless your friends and your neighbors, what will bless the people in your workplace, what would bless the people of your community. And listen, church, it's a dangerous prayer because when we begin to ask God to bless us, what we're really asking Him to do is to say, God, I release Your will to be done and for my will to be second. I release your will to be done in my life, in my family, in my community, in your church, whatever that looks like. And I just, I want to be second to that God. And that's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. Listen, I know and have known unbelievable people who are devout followers of Almighty God who at one point in their lives stretched out their hands and said, God, here is my life. Take and do with it what you will. Can I tell you, I know some of them that are poor. I know some of them that are unknown. I know some of them that don't have beauty or health even. They've given up home and security. They've lost these things, but they saw that in their lives, the thing that mattered most was, God, would you set me on a collision course with your perfect will? Set me on a course, God, where I get to live every day of my life in accordance to your plans for me. And here's here's the, the foundational idea behind this. God, I know that you know better than me. Do we believe that? You know, we, the, the word omnipotence means that God knows everything. That he, he's, he's able to take care of it. He's able to take care of everything. He sees into the future. And we're in the place where we're like, I don't know, I think I could handle this section better. Just let, I have a few ideas, God. Like, if you just make this little change here and do this little thing there, Lord, that new promotion came available. You realize that's what we've been wanting, right, Lord? What does God see? No, that would take you away from time with your family. It could hurt your marriage. That would hurt your children. Like, I know that looks beautiful to you, and that looks great to you, but daughter, 
son, no, that, that, that's not what I have in store for you. I have actual blessing. Oh, but isn't there going to be more money, Lord? I have actual blessing. Oh, to make me healthy? Actual blessing. Where I'm pouring out my mercies on you. Filling you with joy and hope and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I'm, I'm filling you with those things. And so I just want to challenge you in this. I'll be first to raise my hand in this. I have a will. I have what I want. I've got lists of things I want. My family struggles to buy things for me because anything I want, I buy. We, we, we know what we want, right? Here's the reality. Sometimes we have to step back from that and say, God, here's what I want. Here's what your will. I'm willing to let go of this. I'm willing to let go of this so that I can walk in the plans that you have for my life because I believe this. God, you know more, you know better, and the plans that you have for me are going to really bless me. They're what's going to really bless me and really change me. So can I challenge you in this? When you pray, God, will you bless me? Would you realize it's a dangerous prayer? Not because God's out to get you, but because it sets you on a collision course with His will where He says, yes, I will bless you. It might not look the way you want it to look. It might not go the way you want it to go. It might put you in places and in circumstances that are going to be really difficult. But yes, I will bless you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will set you on a place that is going to provide for your every need that you'll lack nothing. When we get to that point, then we can start to read places in Scripture like Psalm 23 where we can say, the Lord's my shepherd and I don't want for anything. That doesn't mean I have everything but I have everything that I need because of what God has given me. And I want to encourage you to be bold enough to pray this prayer. Be bold enough to pray, God, would you bless me? Would you expand my territory? Would you take me beyond who the world thinks I am and the way they see me? Would you take me beyond the plans that maybe I have for myself or my family had for me or, or whatever? Would you take me past that? Would you be with me? Would you help me to walk step by step with you and stay on the path that you have in store for me? Would you be there, God? And would you so change me that my identity is completely overhauled and that I'm no longer seen the way the world sees me? That my identity is that I am truly following Jesus with all my heart. Church, that's a bold prayer. I would go as far as to say it's a dangerous prayer. But I can tell you this, when God answers it, It'll be worth everything that it took to get there. Will you pray with me? God, there's sometimes fear in us when we begin to approach you and to pray and to seek you. And almost a fear in us that believes that you're going to twist our words or you're going to intentionally do things that bring us harm. And God, forgive us. Sometimes we've seen that through experience or through others and we've come to, to some bad theology in some cases. 
God, we each have a will and a desire of our own, things that we want, places that we want to go, things that we want to do. And part of our human condition is the difficulty of what it means to lay that aside and say, God, do what you want to do. But Lord, I pray that you would just begin to work through your people and through our hearts. Help us to see, God, what it truly means to be blessed. It's not about wealth and notoriety and beauty. It's not even about health and security, the things that we long for. It's not temporary, God. It's eternal. It's building through us something that lasts beyond our lifetime. So God, I pray that you would do that and work powerfully to encourage us through the process. As we're in prayer this morning, I just want to ask, and maybe you're here today, and maybe even the idea of surrendering your desires for your life to accept the plan that God has for you. Maybe that's that's almost foreign to you. You can just sense, as we've been talking about this, there's something in you, and it's it's the Holy Spirit, but He's just tugging at you to say, listen, that's what I want to do for you. That's what I want to do for you. But you'd have to first let go of what you want. And if you'd be bold enough to pray this dangerous prayer with me this morning, I just want to ask you if you'd raise a hand so that I can pray with you. To say, God, I want to let go of what I want to begin to embrace what you want. Is there anybody? I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Help me to let go of what I want so that I can fully embrace what you want. Anybody else? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we close out our time together in prayer? I want to encourage you to pray this dangerous prayer. To pray it and mean it. And to understand that in the midst of it, God has a blessing in store for you. It may not look like what you want it to look like. It might cost you some of the things that you daydreamed about. But at the end, I promise you this, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Because there's nothing that compares to living your life in God's will. And so, I want us to pray this together. This prayer of Jabez. I don't know if you could put it back up on the screen for me, Miss Sherry. But let's pray this. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. God, this is our prayer. It's our confession to you. We realize that there's a cost to following you, that we have to lay aside some of the dreams of our own hearts so that we can accept your plan for us. And God, I pray for every person who raised their hand and and said, I want to live like that. I want a life like that. I want to be bold like that. I want to be so blessed by God that it goes outside of my thinking of temporary comforts and joys and peace. I want to go beyond that to begin to live eternally. A life that is shaping the world around me, that God is using for his glory. 
Lord, there is nothing that compares to what the Bible calls that peace that passes all understanding. And we can't get it on our own. It doesn't come through our list of wants and needs. It comes from the giver of life and love and peace. God, it comes from you. And so, Lord, we hold loosely the things of our lives that we think we want or need, and we release them into your hands and say, God, if you must, take them from us, but put us on a collision course with your perfect will so that we'll finally reach a place in our lives where our faith is perfected, where we're complete, where we're not lacking in anything. God, I pray that as you do that, that it would just spring up encouragement and hope in your people. Help us, God, to walk in your will and to be satisfied in the process. And may it truly bring glory to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our prayer team will be up here and would love to pray with you if you need prayer this morning. If you are visiting, uh, our pastors would love to meet with you in our cafe over some donuts and coffee. We won't keep you long. But Lord bless you. Go out and be dangerous this week. Live in the Lord's will.